census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Two of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee and the Dorkening Podcast Network, and we are coming to you from the newly renovated Pat Cave of Magenta Manor. Very excited to be uh, breaking in my new desk and my newly arranged desk, uh, which you can't see, but uh, has flashing LEDs with super awesome strobe lights, so it's like a rave party every time we podcast. Um, and by we, I'm of course talking about my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ashes of a Nightmare. Forecast calls for cloudy with a chance of CGI shark weather. Claudia with a chance of meatballs. Oh. <laughs> That's right. Today, we were going to be discussing Jonas Taylor, but as we have yet to see the Meg 2, I know it's been out for uh, three weeks at this point, and we haven't seen it. Uh, we've been very busy. There's stuff going on uh, both at home and uh, abroad with uh, with my family, so we've uh, kind of been taking a backseat to doing our own stuff while we've been helping everybody else out. Um so we haven't gotten a chance to see it, but um, it is the 10th anniversary, or close enough to it, of one of the most uh, infamous, uh, notorious shark exploitation films of all time. Uh, the one that kind of rekindled the interest in the shark exploitation genre. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about 2013's Sharknado. So we rewatched that recently. We're going to be talking about that today, but. We thought we'd start off with uh, discussing a little bit of our favorite shark exploitation films. But before we do that, what we have to do is define what shark exploitation is. Because I feel like the definition of a shark exploitation film uh, colloquially is just anything bad. You know, kind of like. You know, I asked my brother once, you know, if he knew what a Spaghetti Western is. He's like, yeah, one of those cheesy, goofy. And it's like, no, Spaghetti Western specifically refers to uh, ones directed by or featuring uh, Italian uh, Italian folks where, you know, if like a Sergio Leone, because it would be a, a mostly Italian crew and a lot of times shot in Italian and then redubbed in English. So... That's what a spaghetti western is. So a shark exploitation film, uh, according to Urban Dictionary, uh, shark exploitation is a subgenre of ex exploitation film that involves sharks or shark attacks 
The genre emerged in the wake of the 1975 film Jaws, which I've never seen, uh, and its sequels. Other examples of the of shark exploitation films include the Sharknado film series, Deep Blue Sea, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, and Dino Shark, uh, a documentary about the subgenre titled Shark Exploitation by uh, uh, Stephen Scarlatta, was released in 2023. So, basically, anything that has a shark attack, it doesn't. Uh, there's no commentary on the quality of the films, because if you were thinking shark exploitation, like Deep Blue Sea, you wouldn't think was shark exploitation because it's done well. Um, same with Jaws. Jaws is technically a shark exploitation film because it features shark attacks. So, that being said, Jaws being off the table, Ashes. What are some of your favorite shark exploitation films? I'm going to let you go first because whatever you don't say, I, I will have a list of things to add. So a couple came to mind immediately as soon as you said shark exploitation. Uh, one being Sharknado. That's honestly one of the first ones I think of. And the five tr uh, sequels that follow. And from 20. 13 through 2018 every summer we saw a new sharknado film yes brought much to, like brought to you, you know by, by sci-fi and the asylum so that was kind of i'm gonna say it was kind of cool because you know it was something to look forward to it was like the anti um summer blockbuster in the theater so you would go and you could go watch that in the theater but then you could also stay home in your nice air-conditioned living room on your couch order some food be able to pause to go to the bathroom um you know, and watch these films from the comfort of your, your own couch. Uh, so those films immediately come to mind. Also, what immediately came to mind is, I think it came, I, I should have done my research beforehand, but I think it came out in 2010 or, or I think it, I think it predated Sharknado. Um, but Sharktopus. Oh, the original Roger Corman. Starring uh, Eric Roberts. And uh, I always forget this kid's name. I have to look it up now. Um, yeah, that came out 2010. You were right. Uh, Sharktopus um, with uh, the, one of the kids from... Uh, or maybe I'm thinking of one of the sequels. But he was uh, in one of the Texas Chainsaw movies. Um, yeah, I don't know why I said... Uh, oh, Roger Corman has a, a, a cameo in it. He's He didn't direct it. It was directed by Declan O'Brien. But yeah. And that's the one where you kind of get this this shark hybrid species, and you know, of course, there's uh, there's evil scientists who created him, and now he's back for vengeance, and uh, yeah, just just cool stuff like that. And I would be absolutely remiss if I did not mention Majama's bad CGI sharks in this conversation. Well, especially because I mean, we're I'm, I'm surrounded at, by I was gonna say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm signed kind of memorabilia stuff right in front of me. Um, just because, I mean, I really feel like they capture the heart and soul of what the shark exploitation genre is, and you know, it, it's supposed to make fun. Oh, it's of meta shark exploitation. Exactly, exactly. It's supposed to poke fun at all this, but it pokes fun in a loving way and has so much heart. Uh, and, and it's it one is, of the funniest movies you'll see too. It's it was it's it's just so 
brilliantly well done uh you know really a uh a nice addition to the shark shark exploitation genre, but also a nice addition to just, you know, indie filmmaking in general, like yeah. period, full stop. Um, and I'm gonna throw out another one, and you know, base, and I'm I'm throwing this out based on what Urban Dictionary's uh, definition of shark exploitation is. You can argue with me, but I'm just gonna throw this out there: Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo does have a shark attack because it doesn't necessarily say. It doesn't say a successful shark attack. It also doesn't say on humans. It just says shark attacks. And it doesn't uh, specify whether it can. It has to be like quote live action or animated. Well, most of these are. Well, CGI, but still, CGI, like but, it's it's live action. Well, one of the ones on my list, which I own but have yet to watch because I just haven't had a chance to get to it yet, Puppet Shark. Is all done with puppets. Does that count as shark exploitation? Absolutely. How do you know you haven't watched it yet? Well, it's I've seen the trailer and there are shark attacks in the trailer. So, um, I of course will uh, go on and on about several. I mean, obviously the Meg is one of them, um, and one of the things that the asylum is known for, Mockbusters in 2018, we got. And if you remember, this was our 101st episode, Danger is Rising. We interviewed the cast of Megalodon. Um, so Megalodon, 100% a shark exploitation film, even though most of it, uh, the shark is secondary to what's going on in the film. Uh, it's more of a really tense military um, operation between two rival countries. Yeah, but um, the sharks is still a driving force, like right? Plot the point the, the and... shark is what caused the two of them to uh, come together, but the shark isn't as prominent a driving force as, say, Deep Blue Sea, where there's multiple sharks. Uh, obviously, the Deep Blue Sea series one through three. Uh, I've talked about those before. One and three are very good. Two is something that I've seen. Um, Obviously, I have to go with bad CGI sharks as well because uh, we loved that one so much. Uh, we own two copies of the VHS, Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, we also have a signed poster. I have the gator, the the like neck gator thing, bad CGI sharks. I have a uh, a slate, which is uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with that term, it's like little clapperboard that you know, scene three, take two, mark, clap. You know, that's called a slate, uh, signed by Majama, Matthew, Jason, and Mateo, um, signed and personalized to to both of us. Um, so yes, we are uh, huge fans of that movie. Plus, we have the best chums uh, magnet and chapstick and T-shirts. I was going to say, that's right, we have matching shirts. That's right, and they say best chums because that's because Chumley is a little stuffed shark. Um, and also, we're friends. Yeah, that's true. Um, let's see, what else? Um, there's Sharkula, Sharkenstein, Dino Shark, well, you know, the Mega Shark series. Three-headed shark attack, five-headed shark attack, six-headed shark seven. attack. I think it got up to seven because there's two or, like, there's a head on the ass. Like, it's weird. Um, 
the uh, the, the Mega Shark Mega Shark series versus Crocosaurus. Well, there's and... Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus, Mega Shark versus Colossus, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, which we own on Blu-ray. Um, and then I think there's one more Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark with um, Elizabeth Rome, who was uh, who played the assistant DA on uh, Law and Order for a while. Uh, and then there's the, you know, you mentioned Sharktopus. Well, there's a series of those. There's Sharktopus versus uh, Terracuda, which is a Pteranodon or a Pterodactyl and a Barracuda, obviously. Sharktopus versus Whalewolf, which is a wolf crossed with an orca. And I think there's one more, but I've seen all of those, obviously, because you have to watch all of them. Um there's a lot of giant shark films, you know, and even some that aren't not giant sharks, but shark exploitation, but even some that aren't considered. <sighs> I consider Piranha to be a shark exploitation film because it's clearly a Jaws ripoff. You could even make the argument that Orca and Grizzly are also shark exploitation films because they're essentially just Jaws but with a different animal. Um, there's also Atonk, which is basically Turkish Jaws. There is uh, The Last Shark, which was uh, basically an Italian Jaws ripoff to the point where they were sued and the movie was never released. I had to watch it on YouTube a few years ago. Uh, came out in 1981 with James Franciscus, who you might know from Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Um. Yeah, there's there's so many. You know, there's Shark Exorcist, Shark and Saw, Women's Prison, uh, Massacre. I think is what it's called. Um, Isn't there like an Amityville shark? There's something Amityville Island by Mark Polonia, who does a lot of shark. He did Sharkenstein, Sharkula, etc. Um. But there's a giant shark on the poster. But the shark doesn't really play into it. It's about people kidnapping homeless women and impregnating them with super soldier babies. It's fucking weird. Um, yeah. Uh, there is a shark in it, but it's for like 10 seconds. Um, so if you're using the loosest of definitions, yes. that's uh, There's Bait, which is an Australian film, which is actually very, very good, uh, where people uh, are stuck inside of a grocery store after a tsunami in Australia and there's a great white swimming around eating people. It's actually pretty good because it's, you know, it's, it's really interesting because it's one location and it starts off kind of eh, but uh, once the action gets going, it's really good. Then there's uh, Night of the Sharks, Shark Lake, uh, Megalodon, there's a bunch of, you know, uh, uh, the reef, the sh not the reef, the shallows. Uh, 47 meters down, 47 meters down on caged. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot. I recommend 47 meters down because that ending is a gut punch and you really don't see it coming. It's excellent. Uh, and I won't give it away. Uh, but if you do like shark exploitation, Which is uh, the one with Blake Lively. That's The Shallows. That's The Shallows? Yeah. Okay. That one was actually really well done. I enjoyed that one. I did too. It's just there was some stuff that was like, eh, really? Eh. Like, it, it gets a little. It tries to be grounded and then ends up farcical uh, in certain parts. 
but um, the, it's shark exploitation, so. So I haven't seen Forty Seven Meters Down, but we went to see Uncaged. Yes, in with the film. Sistine Stallone. Uh, and that one was actually pretty well done too. One of the things I liked about that is uh, something that's missing from the two Meg films, uh, as far as I know, but it wasn't missing from the novels. Is in that movie there was a lot of uh, there was there were great whites, but they lived completely underground, so they were albino because most of the creatures who live in complete darkness are albino. There's no reason for them to have any pigment because they're all blind. So there's no reason for them to have any uh, distinctive coloration because it's not like they need to be camouflaged because everything's blind. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was one of the things I was disappointed they didn't have in the first Meg, but it's fine. Well, um, and also dinosaurs. Right, but they made up for it by doing that. That is actually the second movie to do that um, because in the beginning of Jurassic Park, a little girl is attacked by a raptor. Uh, not a raptor, uh, the little, the compies. Um, and, like, they find one that's, like, all chewed up and, and beaten up. Uh, and they're like, yeah, this is the thing that bit this little girl, you know, on this this Rhode Island. And they show that scene at the beginning of the second film. Um, basically because they need to kill off Peter Stramari at the end of it. But uh, it's the same thing with uh, that scene in the Meg, which has been in the trailer. That's how, or the Meg 2, that's how the opening of the book goes. And it's actually the cover art for the first Meg book is a shark eating a T-Rex. Like, the size is not that... Like, they make these Megs, like, this one's 200 feet long and 70 feet... Like, they make them ridiculous proportions. Like, the biggest they got, maybe 60 feet. I mean, granted, that's a huge shark. I was gonna say, like that... But it's not, like, five times the size of a T-Rex. Like, I mean, like, can't... I'm just barely over five feet so like 60 right. feet that's like but, 12 of me that's a lot right but the difference between a meg and a t-rex is like the difference between me and you it, i'm not you know eight times your size you know what i mean like in the trailer the shark opens its mouth and basically fits the entire t and a t-rex is like so 45 all i'm feet getting long. out of this conversation right now is the fact that i'm gonna have to wear my dinosaur onesie and you're gonna have to wear your shark costume and we're gonna have to reenact that scene yes we can do that and we'll sell it as a micro short and make millions movie magic um but yeah we uh uh, and let your imaginations run wild on that, folks, as much as you'd like. Um, I'm a very convincing dinosaur. That's true. Um, <laughs> but oh, I was saying something about one of the that's shark me. series. Clever girl. And I don't remember what I was saying. Um, but there are so many the of them. There are so many. And, and a lot of these, you know, some of them oh, were. I remember what I was going to say. Okay. If you do enjoy shark exploitation and the shark exploitation genre, do yourself a favor, go to Wild Heart Press and pick up the Encyclopedia Shark Exploitanica by Susan Snyder. It's brilliant. Uh, and after reading it, I had to reach out to her on, on social media because so many of her thoughts uh, mirrored my own, especially when it came to Megalodon and bad CGI sharks. And as it turns out, uh, we are both uh, tight with Majama. So 
that's how that is. And I'm hoping that you're going to see a a project between she and I uh, in the next, I don't know, call it year or two. Uh, I think we can, I think we can get it done for 2025 for the 50th anniversary of Jaws. Oh. So that would be that would be major. But she is currently uh, collaborating with uh, Christine Morgan, who is a very talented. Uh, author in her own right do yourself a favor and pick up trench mouth from christine morgan uh, you can get it on amazon pick that one up uh christine is uh she tends to make a lot of appearances at the splatterpunk awards i'll just leave it at that but the two of them are combining on a on a project and i cannot wait uh to get my hands on it it's gonna be amazing uh, all I know is I can I can call it SSFF, and if you know, you know. That that that's accurate. Yes. 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 So we want to know what some of your favorite shark exploitation films are. Maybe you consider certain things shark exploitation. Maybe you consider other things not to be shark exploitation. I mean, again, how loose do you want to consider that definition? By that definition. Batman 1966 is a shark exploitation film. Hand me down the shark repellent bat spray. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss some of the characters from Sharknado and kind of discuss a little bit of how their journey uh, through this film kind of sets up what's going on with the other five because uh, there's some weird, I was gonna weird say, and then it shit gets that's weird. going on. <laughs> In like the best way possible, it's yeah. get, it, it gets weird. So, so we'll we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks, too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Storm. That's what's driven them all up north. I've never seen so many of them are so bold. It's barely even raining. It's flooding here. And not the plumbing, the ocean. You need to go home. I'm not going anywhere. Storm's coming and it's coming fast. Ah! Just can't sit back and watch this. Ah! Tornado's heading towards the airport. We need to destroy it before it gets to them. Can't just wait here and wait sharks to rain down on us. We're gonna throw bombs into the tornadoes. It's too dangerous. Too many of them. We're gonna need a bigger chopper. Claudia, ah! move! It's time to leave Kansas, mate. And we 
are back. That, of course, was the trailer for the original Sharknado, which, as we mentioned, came out in 2013. But uh, as Ash has mentioned, there are five sequels. So the second one came out. It's called Sharknado 2, the second one. That came out in 2014. Uh, that uh, While Finn and April are in New York uh, to promote April's book, How to si- Survive a Sharknado and Other Unnatural Disasters, uh, about the L.A. Sharknado from the first film. city is hit by a severe storm, causing new Sharknados to emerge. What are which, the odds? Yeah, which, you know, would be typical for New York City. And, of course, there were a ton of New York-related uh, celebrities, you know, Siskel and Ebert, not Siskel and Ebert, but uh, one of them, the one that's still alive, was in it, I believe. Ebert? No, I'm thinking of Godzilla. That's what I'm thinking of. Never mind. Uh, the 98 like, Godzilla. What are you talking about? But like Al Roker is in it. Like, yeah. you know, some of these other like folks from New York. Uh, then there's Sharknado 3, Oh Hell No, from 2015. Uh, following the events of the previous film, Finn and April have remarried and are expecting another child. Uh, for his heroics in the Sharknado battles in L.A. and New York, Finn is in Washington, D.C. to receive an award from the president, who is played by Mark Cuban. Initially, they wanted Donald Trump, but they were like, eh, no one's going to buy that guy as the president. Oh, 2015 me, how I wish I could talk to you and tell you that Mark Cuban would have been a much better president. Uh, so, of course, while he's there, another Sharknado. Then there was Sharknado The Fourth Awakens in 2016. Just happened to coincide, you know, uh, come out after The Force Awakens, which was 2015. Do you think they did that on purpose or was that just a coincidence? I think so. Uh, Sharknado was was confirmed to follow up on Sharknado's, upon Sharknado 3's premiere because Sharknado 3 concluded with a cliffhanger regarding whether or not April was killed by falling wreckage. An ad after the film promoted oh, a Twitter right. campaign offering fans a chance to decide her fate with the hashtag April Lives or April Dies, with the result revealed at the start of Sharknado 4, which first aired on Sci-Fi July 31st, 2016. Uh, Ian Zaring, Tara Reid, Ryan Newman, and David Hasselhoff. I forgot the Hoff was in it as... It's Ian. Ian Zaring. Ian not. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so David Hasselhoff was plays Ian Ziering's uh, his Finn, his Finn's fin, dad. Finley Finley Shepherd, also known as Finn, was his dad. Yeah. So there was uh, Tommy Davidson, who I remember from, uh, of course, in Living Color. Um, let's see who else is in there. Uh, Gary Busey uh, was April's father. Uh, Cheryl Teagues as Finn's mother. Oh, yeah, the title and poster from the film is an homage to Star Wars The Force Awakens. You don't say. Then there's Sharknado 5, which came out 2017, the following year, Global Swarming. And that was uh, released August 2017. title is going to be Sharknado 5, Earth Zero, but they unveiled the 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 movie with the tagline make america bait again <laughs> uh, this is the one that they go to space 
Somebody um, goes to space. No, they were already in space. They were already in space. Because that's where April had her baby inside. And right. she has the cybernetic arm that she uses because to cut. Because she's part cyborg because that's how they brought her back. Yes, and she cuts her way out of the thing the with the baby. Because uh, David Hasselhoff is a fucking astronaut. Because of course he is. I um, believe it. Cassie Serbo comes back as Nova from the first movie. I forget when she dies, but whatever. Um, the storyline depicts Finn and his allies accidentally unleashing a new wave of Sharknadoes when they deactivate an ancient device that was actually keeping the Sharknadoes in check. Subsequent storms escalating to the point where they devastate the planet, leaving only Finn alive until he is met by a time-displaced version of his son, Gil. And then... The last Sharknado, it's about time. I like how they... Because it's about time. It's about time that they ended. And but it's also, it's also about, about time. time. Uh, that came out in August of 2018. Everybody comes back. Reed, Zeering, Serbo. Uh, a write-up in Bloody Disgusting in February of that year said, In his quest, Finn, quest, Finn fights Nazis, dinosaurs, knights, and even takes a ride on Noah's Ark. Uh, March of 2018 sci-fi confirmed the film would be the final installment uh vivica a fox comes back uh so the plot is basically with finn the last survivor he finds himself uh, uh last survivor on earth by the way which we mentioned for the beginning or at the end of the fifth one uh, Finn, the last survivor, he finds himself traveling through time to meet supposedly deceased allies pulled out of time by his son, Gil, at the moment before their deaths, seeking to identify and prevent the first of the modern-day Sharknados. Oh, God. Wasn't his son, um, wasn't it Dolph Lundgren, who played, like, a version of his son from the yeah, future? The old, yeah, the older yes, version of his son. Yes, yes, who came back to get him to yes. do the things to get the people to do the more things and he had just done creed 2 after subduing but hold on here's the thing people wanted to be in these films right well we're gonna get to that in a minute i'm just recapping the series okay after subduing potential Sharknados in Camelot, the War of Independence, and the Wild West, Finn is able to destroy the original Sharknado before it could escalate into the global catastrophes he has witnessed, creating a new alternate timeline where Finn is still just the bar owner he was in the original film, but surrounded by his extended family. Now, there were several other movies that were kind of spin-offs or connections to Sharknado, including Lava Lantula with Steve Gutenberg. And Two Lava, Two Lantula, those came out in 2015-2016. And then there was the 2025 Armageddon, which I haven't seen. came out last year. It's a crossover film released to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Asylum and features an alien race using Sharknado alongside other films from the Asylum as a basis for monsters sent to attack Earth. The film was released uh, December 23rd, 2022. So let's see. There were there was actually uh, Mark McGrath played a character named Martin Brody. Uh, Gil Shepard was played by David Hasselhoff. So his dad was Gil and his son was Gil. Um, Gil Shepard Jr. was played uh, by Dolph Lundgren. Um, it's just so insane. Um, 
Anthony Ferranti and David Michael Latt directed and produced all of them. Uh, Thunder Levin did the first four. Scotty Mullen wrote the last two. Um, that's wild. That's just. I think we, yeah. So it was the last one. You yes. had Neil deGrasse Tyson as Merlin facing off against Alaska Thunderfuck Five Thousand. Yes, the drag queen as Morgana. So it's funny. I was uh, messaging uh, with our good friend Mark also known as Old Man Wade, also known as the star of my short film. Uh, and we were discussing the Sharknado films because he had just watched The Black Demon, which I totally forgot about And as far as our shark exploitation discussion. Um, which says a lot about The Black Demon. Yes. I, I gave it a 6 of 10. You were generous. I know. that's You're very yeah. generous. I but, gave it a 6 because there was a shark. <laughs> uh, when we talked about The Meg... And he said, I can't believe how bad good that movie is, um, referring to Sharknado. And I said, they just got more insane as the series went on. And he said, I couldn't get through the time travel one. I said, where Neil deGrasse Tyson as Merlin gets defeated by Morgana, played by Alaska Thunderfuck 5000. And his response was, I understood five of those words and three of them are Neil deGrasse Tyson. But yeah. There was some wild, wild stuff going on so, in these movies. Some fun facts before we get into the meat of our discussion. So speaking of Steve Gutenberg, he was actually approached to play Finn Shepard. I could he see said it. no because he thought it was too like he was just like this is stupid. I don't think this is gonna you know nobody could have. Predicted. I've signed on to Lavalanchula. Well, well, that's why he signed on to Lavalanchula because of the success of Sharknado. Do you know he who turned else? down Sharknado because he thought it was just gonna be stupid, uh, and then all of, a, all of a sudden, you know, I mean, obviously it ha has had this this huge. Cult-like cult success, yeah. you know, um, the first one. So the first one premiered on Sci-Fi, I believe it was July 11th, 2013. It was huge. It had one of the, like, uh, largest I don't know, television premieres, like, ever. Especially it was, like, the biggest thing Sci-Fi had ever put out at the time. Um you know, and and it was just it was it was huge, and it was so huge that for one night only, they actually gave it a theatrical release, and it was for one night. I think two hundred theaters, through like Fathom Events, showed mm -hmm. Sharknado, um, and it made two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. That makes through sense. just that one night showing. Um, and that's one of the reasons why for the 10th anniversary, they re-released it in theaters. And I think it was, again, a limited showing um, because it has had this success. You know, they never believed that it would spawn so many sequels. Uh, but yeah, so Steve Gutenberg turned it down and saw the success of Sharknado and was like, boy, was I fucking stupid. So then when Lava Lanchula came across, you know, his path, he jumped on it immediately because why wouldn't you? Martin Cove was in the second one. Um, and Ian Ziering, the only reason he took the role uh, was because... He had boat payments. 
Well, no. So his wife was pregnant with another, like, I think, believe it was their second child at the time. Yeah. Um, and he needed to make X amount of dollars in order to keep his uh, SAG um, health insurance. $26,000 a year. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why he signed on to do it. I mean, it's also, he wasn't really doing much at the time anyways. You know, Beverly Hills 90210 ended, oh, a hot minute ago. So, you know, he really wasn't doing, aside from like bit parts here and there, he wasn't really doing much. Um, so that's why he signed on. He didn't want to do it, but his wife convinced him to do it so he could keep his health insurance. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, he made a decent amount of money for that movie. Um, from what I understand, he made more for some of the sequels than Gal Gadot made in the first Wonder Woman. And Terry Hatcher, Rebecca, Rebecca Romaine, and Tiffany Amber Thiessen were approached to play the role of April before Tara Reid signed on. And we got a chance to interview Tara Reid. She is an absolute delight. She was, was very, say, she very was nice. wonderful, yeah. Such a sweetheart. Uh, really nice. She had her little her little dog with her. Um, and this was was that Fan Expo Boston? Um, no, I think it was one of the Connecticut Con- uh, Connecticut Connecticut Connecticut. I th- yeah, Connecticut something like that. I, but it's still um. It was like the Connecticut Comic Con type thing. But it was but still it was... um altered reality. Uh, because they did yes. they did that one too. Um. I don't remember, but sure. Uh, but yeah, she, yeah, was, she, she was, was very sweet. Yeah, she was very personable, very sweet. Um, you know, uh, chatted with us for about ten minutes. Yeah, and, she was um, very, very nice. Lindsay Lowen turned down the role of Nova that went to uh, uh, Cassie Serbo. That's a that's a mistake. Although I thought Cassie was good in this. Um, well, especially when they, you know, so. The character of Nova is kind of annoying to begin with. You know, she's kind of this like barmaid. Well, she's she's presented as this barmaid bimbo. She's in love with her boss, who is Finn. She's working for him and his, you know, bar restaurant place, Um, you know, is in love with him, but knows nothing about him. Like you were married. You You have have a you have a daughter. You have a son. Yeah. You know? But she's also kind of an annoying character in the sense that, you know, like, oh, how come you never talk about your scar? It's none of your business. Like, don't look at my scar. Don't look at my scar as I sit here in this little, you know, tiny bikini showing off this huge scar that I have on my leg. Oh, don't look at it. Yeah, it's. Don't look at my scar. And then we had like I'm the, not gonna the talk whole. About it. Hey, is that a tiger shark? Oh, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, like, clearly we find out that, you know, she was involved in this accident where six surfers, boaters, whatever, went in the water and only she was the one who was saved, which is kind of, uh, kind of a nod. It's it's a reach, but it's kind of a nod to Quint's story about the Indianapolis. Yeah, the USS Indianapolis. You know, X amount of people went in the water. Only you know, eleven hundred twenty-eight men. Eleven hundred men went into the water. Three hundred twenty-eight came out. June the twenty-ninth, nineteen forty-five. Right. You know, and she survived this. You know, shark attack attempt, and that's what the scar is for. And it was a tiger shark that attacked her, and that's why she knew what it was. And oh, it's so dramatic. 
Yeah. But I do like her character. So she's in the first one. I don't believe she's in the second one. It's she comes back in either the third or fourth one. It's one of the the later installments for sure. But she comes back as this badass character who has this like almost like this Sharknado vigilante. Yeah. You know, like uh, saving people from Sharknados and, you know, devastation and whatnot. So her she does kind of have like a redeeming character arc in that aspect. You know, she does become a little more of a, a badass towards the end of the first one. But what happens at the end of the first one is so unbelievably like it, it's it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, obviously suspension of disbelief is a huge thing among these movies. You you can't, you know, you have to kind of go along for the, the ride in these films. But she's eaten by a shark. And it's like, oh, no, there goes Nova. We're never going to see her again. And then, like, in the end, Finn is eaten by a shark. Finn and his chainsaw are eaten by a shark. And then Finn chainsaws his way. Out of the shark, and it's just like, ah, die, shark! And that just coincidentally happens to be the shark that also ate Nova, and she's completely fine. Well, he knew. A little unconscious, but she's fine. He she knew. makes a full recovery. He knew that that was the, the shark that ate her. That's why he went after that one specifically. He wanted to make sure that he got that one. That's why he did it. Um, but again, uh, that's kind of taking a page from Jaws 3, where the guy gets swallowed by the shark, but doesn't become dead. But like he somehow like gets swallowed and is like, like trapped in the shark trying to get out. And like you see several shots from his, his POV of like the shark's mouth. So like you see him like looking out. It's... Jaws 3. Just go with it. Um, That's the one that I haven't watched yet. Correct. Uh, and you don't really need to. Um, that's why people always associate shark exploitation, like you said earlier. Like, the first thing that jumps to mind is, you know, like this ridiculous over the top type of film. That's what people associate shark exploitation with, which is why I wanted to give the definition at the beginning of the show, because. It's not necessarily these ridiculous bad films. It's anything with a shark attack. So it's Jaws was the first one. You know, Jaws is technically shark exploitation, which sucks. I know, but it still counts. Why does it suck, though? Well, because it's. People will will argue. No, Jaws isn't shark exploitation. Well, it is. Like it's literally the the uh, progenitor of the shark exploitation genre. I was gonna say, like it's it's the grandfather of this genre. Right. It create like shark movies weren't a thing before Jaws. Now it's almost like shark films are their own like sub, uh, like um. Oh God, what's the word I'm looking for? Why am I drawing a giant blank? Drink more wine. It's like its own subcategory of film. Right. Like when... shark film. I mean, granted, I know there's there's really no so like such thing as shark films. It's either, you know, horror or drama or whatever. But it kind of has created this own like separate category that branch, you know, branches underneath these other categories. Shark film. Right. And 
just as shark exploitation is a genre of the exploitation um, subcategory. You know, like exploitation. There are there have been exploitation films for years. You know, probably the most uh, notable one that people will think of first is black exploitation. You know, in films like Blackula, you know, stuff like that. Um, but again, that's a genre-spanning definition as well. And as we're not talking about that today, we're not going to get too far into it because we're talking about these characters from Sharknado. So again, we haven't met Ian Ziering. Uh, we haven't really met many people from the Sharknado films. Well, we've, we've met Tara Reid. That's about it. Right. And, you know, there are, you know, some of these folks do conventions and the first year uh, Anthony Ferrante and Thunder Levin were at Rock and Shock, but I wasn't as invested in shark movies and I didn't think it was going to be as big as it was. So I kind of regret not meeting them, not talking to them. But in the years since, you know, obviously 2018 was a big year for us because, you know, not only did we hit our hundredth episode, we also really got into the shark exploitation genre. You know, we're multiple years into the, uh, we're at the end of, of Sharknado, but before that happens, we've got, you know, Megalodon and the Meg coming out, you know, one in May, one in August. So we were very lucky that we got all of these things all at once. And I didn't realize at the time how far reaching this genre was and how much content there was for shark movies. And, you know, sometimes... It's very good, but a lot of times the issue with shark exploitation films is they can't decide whether it's going to be uh, basically stock footage. And even Jaws is guilty of this. Stock footage of sharks doing things and whatever special effect, be it CGI, puppet, because uh, some of these have bad, bad puppets, um, or full-scale animatronics. But one of the biggest issues is most of the time the sharks don't look like sharks. I will say I like the fact that Sharknado threw in different types of sharks. It wasn't just all great whites because that's, you know, most of these shark exploitation films, it's great whites. But they threw in hammerheads. They threw in some bull sharks, some makos. They mentioned tiger sharks. There's a lot of different kinds of sharks, and they put them in kind of ridiculous situations, but also, and I've talked about this before, Sharknado is scientifically possible. Like, not to the extent we see in the film, of course, but, you know, there are reports and records of tornadoes or water spouts, you know, Water spouts forming over, you know, bodies of water, sucking up, you know, fish or frogs or what have you, and then, you know, dropping them all over the place. You know, so there's fish everywhere. But there's also... Is it 930? Yes, it's 930. There's fish everywhere. Um, 
there's also reports of tornadoes picking up big, heavy objects and throwing them. So, you know, I wouldn't expect, you know, a whole bunch of sharks to be sucked up into a tornado and then when they are then spat out again to attack people on the ground because that's not what they do. Like, you know, one of the scenes where Nova's freaking out because there's a shark on the ground five feet away from her. It's like, why are you spazzing out? Like, it's a shark. He's not going to get up and walk over to you. I mean, in the movie, he kind of, like, squiggles his way over. But, like, I can tell you that a shark on land, their first... Because I've seen beach shark videos. Their first inclination is not, ooh, I need to eat that person. It's, I'm drowning and need to get back to the ocean or I will die. That's basically what they're looking for. But that's that's my two cents on that. So getting back to the characters, you know, we're introduced to Finn Shepard, Finley Shepard. The only thing we really know about him, because we don't get any backstories to these characters aside from aside from Nova when she explains the the origin of this scar that's so, you know, prominently displayed. Um Finn, we know he is a former professional surfer who retired for reasons and now owns and runs this bar on the beach um april wexler is his ex-wife uh she has a boyfriend but not for long uh because he also gets eaten in his house by a shark because that's a thing that happened um and that's really all we know about her. They have two children together. We don't really know how long they've been divorced for. Um, obviously, you know, there's some sort of, of, of communication that is still to be had between the two of them. Obviously, they also get back together and they get remarried and they have another baby and they name him Gil and all that other happy crap. Um, but we don't know too, too much about, about her, what she does. We just know that, you know, she's his ex-wife and then also wife um and then you know we've established what we know about nova and those three characters are really the only three characters that kind of carry uh you know like i said nova does not come back for the second one it's either the third or fourth one she makes her return and she's in it to the end uh you know vivica a fox is introduced in the second one and i'm sure we'll talk about that at some point but they do an okay job establishing these characters making you care enough about them to you know a want to see them make it to the end of the film but also, you know, they make you, you become invested enough in these characters to, to see these characters throughout these six films and actually kind of give a shit about these characters. Yeah, because they're not, I mean, granted, in the first one, they're, they're fairly one dimensional uh, and the. Well, and you could definitely tell that in the first film, um, they were just making one film. Yeah, they weren't setting up a, a a a real character arc for anybody they weren't setting up a real like continued story it wasn't anything that was it was almost like the characters were kind of uh fluff characters yeah they they were just like they were just basically there to do stereotypical action movie things you know spout one-liners 
you know, talk about, you know, basically pay homage to Jaws. We're going to need a bigger helicopter. We're going to need a bigger this. And like, you know, certain one-liners that are definitely like, yep, that's inspired from this movie or that's inspired from that movie. I get it. Like these are analogs for other characters and that's totally fine. Like everything, everything is inspired by something else. Like there are very few original stories anymore. There's always some sort of homage to something because people can't help but do that when they're creating art. But not only that, you know, it's a paying homage to something is a sign that you love the source material. You know, so we watch Sharknado, we pick up on all these little nuances, all these little things like, oh, that's an homage to Jaws. That's, you know, an homage to this and that. And, you know, you can tell that the people behind this film really love shark films. And, you know, that, that was their intent. You know, it was to create a film and they put in all of these little Easter eggs and whatnot, uh, you know, almost like to, to make themselves happy and, you know, entertain whoever else picks up on it right and, and that's something that happens throughout the series too and you see that with a lot well i mean you see that with a lot of films in general it's like oh we were heavily influenced like look at george rr R. martin oh yeah and lord of the Rings. i mean uh, game of thrones you know heavily heavily uh inspired by lord of the rings and uh the hobbit and J.R. tolkien tolkien yeah i mean that's i mean he's the basically the guy who invented the fantasy genre so yeah and you know obviously martin takes it in a very different direction but again you know that's a that's a discussion for another day but yeah there's you know like they say imitation is is the sincerest form of flattery and you know again you know there are certain things like i'm creating this because I was inspired by X, you know, we wouldn't have Westerns if there weren't samurai films. We wouldn't have Star Wars if there weren't samurai films and Westerns, you know, like we wouldn't have those things, you know, every story is, I mean, how many times if I were to be like, okay, there's a young kid growing up without his parents doesn't really know who he is until a wise old mentor figure shows up and explains to him that he is the chosen one and then offers to train him to help him reach his full potential but at that you know at a certain point he dies before his training you know the the mentor dies before the the chosen one's training could be you know finished and now the the chosen one has to do it on his own but faces some sort of uphill battle and you know who am i talking about am i talking about luke skywalker am i talking about harry potter am i talking about the kid from you know the maze runner like who the fuck am i talking about katniss everdeen the karate kid the karate kid is a fucking another one like literally who am i talking about that there's hundreds of these stories well, I mean, it's a it's a trope, and there are these you know similar tropes in all of these films, uh, you know similar stories, but they all there, there's something about them, while remaining familiar, uh, 
there there are certain aspects about them that keep them fresh and keep us wanting to see more and i think the the in my personal opinion the reason why sharknado was so popular and why people kind of gravitated to these characters and wanted to see more of these films and why they kept making these films um was because it just it was just good stupid fun yeah you know you don't there, there there's nothing you have to read into you don't have to think super hard it's not like watching the matrix where you're sitting there trying to figure out okay well this means this and this means this it's like no everything is at face value you take everything at face value what you see is what you get right there's and there's they, not they, a lot of subtlety and right, subtext they, you know they they you know get a little far-fetched but it also adds to the fun aspect too there is nothing wrong with watching a stupid movie. And actually, because there was some debate after these came out and so many people were enjoying them and some people were saying, well, you know, nobody with a high IQ could ever think these films are, are you know, uh, interesting and entertaining. And then Neil deGrasse Tyson is in the sixth one. Well, but no, the not only sixth that, one. they actually conducted experiments and there are results. And if I had thought about it ahead of time, I would have come a little more prepared. But um, they looked into this and actually, you know, enjoying some of these films, allowing yourself to almost like give your brain a break a little bit. Um, people with higher IQs smart people really enjoy these films right there's an, and again you know people have what they refer to as like their comfort films or their guilty exactly. pleasure <laughs> their guilty pleasure that's not what I was going for but I think that's our title yes uh, but I again I don't believe in that you like what you like like it doesn't matter you know it's like oh well you know it's like all these people that want to argue like oh well I only watch high horror it's like Fuck off. Like, horror is horror. Like, if you like watching Sleepaway Camp 3 or, you know, you also like, you know, you know, one of these high, like, irreversible, uh, reversible or, or uh, yeah, irreversible or high tension or one of these supposedly high, you know, martyrs, frontiers, you know, I only watch French cinema. Here's like, the thing. Long story short, you know... Life is short. Life sucks. Being an adult is hard. Do whatever the fuck you need to do to get you through the day. So whether it's watch films like this that, you know, and, and we rewatched re the first Sharknado the other night and we've seen it numerous times since it came out, um, you know, and it's just we, we sit there, we roll our eyes at it. We're like, oh, my God, this is so stupid. But yet I can't look away because I'm having such a good time. Um, you know, it's just it's just good. You know, whatever's good for the soul. You're not hurting anybody else by watching these films, you know, like do what you need to do to get you through the day. Right. There's nothing that hop off my soapbox now. But that but that's just it. You know, like what you like. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and honestly, like to hell with any other opinions. You know, because at the end of the day, the only opinion like that matters about you and what you do is yours. Yeah. And if you're not hurting yourself, you're not hurting anybody else, then what's the harm? You know, do what you need to do to get you through the day. You know, um, RuPaul once said that 
somebody else's opinion about me is none of my business. And that is something that I take with me every day. What you think of me is none of my business. And unless they are paying your bills, you pay them bitches no mind. So like what you like, enjoy what you enjoy, and fuck everybody else. Okay, now I'm getting off my soapbox. But, you know, but these characters are so much fun. These characters are so much fun. These films are so much fun. And, you know, the complete stupidity of them is just what kind of layers on the the entertainment value and the rewatch value for these films too because i sometimes like things that i don't have to pay a lot of attention to that i don't have to uh really sit down and think about it's like i just kind of want you know comfort food cinema you know like i just want like macaroni and cheese for my brain and that's what these films are for me yeah and they you know they don't have to be highbrow for you to enjoy them if you enjoy those types of films, that's fine. But you don't have to enjoy them to the exclusion of everything else. And I will say this, kind of wrapping things up. One of the things I love that they did and that these asylum films do is that they kind of reignite careers of those who may not currently have a career. You know, like Ian Ziering, Tara Reid. They were big in the 90s, early 2000s, but hadn't really had much going on for them since. And, you know, the fact that they were cast in this, these films and these films did so well that they made more of them, it kind of, you know, sparked a new career for them, reignited, you know, their love of acting or whatever. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, it's nice, you know, people think of this as like, oh, well, oh, they must have, like, really sunk low or they must have really hit rock bottom. It's like, sometimes people do stuff because it's fucking fun. Yeah. You think Mark Cuban needed the paycheck? Yeah, or he did Sharknado well, four, 3 because it was going to be a good time. Well, and that's another thing, too. You know, after the success of the first one, people were like, hey, I kind of want, there's a second one. I kind of want to be in it. And then after the success of the third one, uh, the second one, you know, they found out there was going to be a third one. More people were like, hey, can I, can I get in on that? I mean, you had what? Mark McGrath. You had, um, I think Chris Jericho was in one of these. I know he was at least in one of the Shark at five-headed shark yeah i think jericho yeah i uh, i'm trying to remember the whatever one had like the, the park, roller coaster. the roller coaster yeah the theme park because he was like the roller coaster attendant and he got killed on that i don't i know he was in one of the other ones too like with rob like danny treo got eaten and like five-headed shark attack like it's weird like he killed one with he killed one head with a machete and another head ate him like rob van dam was like the main hero like shit's wild like it's not necessarily people who you know need the money but you know maybe you're in a situation where it's like you know i've been trying to get work like i can still do my job i can still do what i'm known for you know, but I mean, like, shit, Eric Roberts was nominated for an Oscar, you know, like. Well, he's also I mean, you know, and I don't mean for this to sound the way that it's going to sound, but I'm just going to say it. Eric Roberts will do anything for a paycheck. Yeah, but he. But but in the same vein, you know what? Good on him. He's one of those career actors. He's been able to make a career and continue to, you know, make money and support himself and his family, 
you know, by taking all of these roles. Well, it's like, you know, Felissa Rose, who can be in anything, like, and has hundreds of IMDb credits. You know who's another person like that? And one of the reasons why I'm such a huge fan, Paul fucking Giamatti. Like, Paul Giamatti is an Oscar-caliber actor, but he'll also play the rhino in Spider-Man 2. You know, he'll be Einstein in a friggin' uh, Verizon, Verizon commercial. commercial yeah. You know, he'll he'll play a character named Pig Vomit, but at the same time, like, he'll be in Sideways. He'll be in The Holdovers. He'll be in, you know, an M. Night Shyamalan movie. You know, like... He's a guy who just, he'll take a bit part, like in uh, uh, Saving Mr. Banks. Mm -hmm. Like he was, you know, the driver who drove uh, P.L. Travers around. Like, and he was a bit player in that. But like, it's because he likes what he does. And he has a good time on set. He has a good time with the people that he's working with. Like, it's awesome so like i don't begrudge anybody well that's another thing too i read that the first sharknado film was filmed in 18 days yeah that seems about right i mean that's 18 shooting days you're looking at like four weeks like yeah yeah that's that seems about right i mean most of that is going to be you know getting all the extras together uh you know a lot of the stuff at uh, in the water. I mean, we've we've talked about low-budget films, like when we talked about, uh, again, Sharksploitation and Megalodon, they filmed that in, like, four days. And there's a lot of logistics that went into that. Like, oh, we, can, we have to shoot and make it look like there's an empty ocean behind us, but there's boats going back and forth, and we only have X amount of hours to film this exterior shot and there was a lot of exterior shots that they had to get so and the same with uh with sharknado there was a lot of uh i think most of the 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 budget and everything went to post-production because there's a lot of effects and a lot of editing that needed to be done so i think that's really where most of the uh most of the time and effort went in you know i would i would imagine that the top paid actor on that might have might not have been uh mr zeering but it might have been john hurd uh who was kevin's dad in home alone but yeah 18 days that sounds about right um you know especially if you're if you're in one location it's a lot easier like if you're not going all over the place to a bunch of different uh bunch of different spots i mean they had the you know a couple of scenes in the underpass you know, out on the road, uh, there are a couple of like really intense stunt driving scenes. So yeah, I mean that that's a full day. Like it's you know a three minute sequence, but that's going to be a full day of filming that driving scene. So yeah, that's that sounds about right to me. But yeah, it's it's one of those movies where you know you you're not overly invested in the characters but as the series goes on and progresses it's not like you know saw when saw came out you weren't really invested because you know it's yeah tobin bells and all of them shawnee smiths and a few but they started revolving characters out 
and then towards the end they would bring people back that were in the earlier ones so they started recycling some of the characters but it became less about the traps and more about the police drama and again this was another one that was every year a new one came out with Sharknado you're you're following the same characters you're following you know Finn and April for the most part through every single one of them and yes there are some new characters here and there but it's typically the same handful of characters in every single movie and yeah they did the same thing they started bringing people back but we figured out why because uh, Gil was uh, Dolph Lundgrening his way through time and saving people which I just I thought that was fun it's like like you were saying about suspension of disbelief that's the thing they stuck to their own rules they showed how to destroy a Sharknado in the first one and they stuck to that they learned how, you know, because in the, the second one in New York, they created a, a similar explosion mm -hmm. to shut down the, the tornado. I like that, you know, and again, I've brought up Ant-Man how many times, you know, like, here are the rules. And then it's like, well, those rules are inconsistent or inconvenient for the plot. So we're just going to ignore them. Not Sharknado. Like, I would say... All of the Sharknado movies combined times 10 weren't the budget of one Ant-Man. Yeah, I think that's correct. But their consistency was better. Their attention to detail was better because they had to do it on a tighter schedule. They had to do it on a smaller scale. And they were setting up a whole lore. They weren't just dropping a new character into something that's already existing, you know, and they weren't like, Oh, well, let's just explain this away with magic. And especially when you start involving time travel, like that's ridiculous. Like time travel is always going to be a massive pain to keep, uh, to keep consistent, but they did it. They were able to, and at the end of it, had created a whole new timeline, but it's like the best timeline. But not, and that's another thing too, you know, that we kind of have to give them credit for. Uh, they made things make sense. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, this happened because of this, and then this happened because of this, and so on and so forth. And you're just like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. That you know, in this universe that you've created, where you've set these ground rules, sure, that's plausible. And you said this, and you stuck to it. Okay, yeah. So in that aspect, that's plausible too. Like they were able to to do that, and I think you know, and, and do it successfully too. You know, which is crazy to think about. You know, this little film that's spawned five sequels was able to create this whole universe you know on a low budget and you know was more successful in doing so than some of these larger budget films yeah and i i applaud them for that and i think it's uh, admirable that they were able to take care of all this and i'm just throwing it out there if they decided to make a seventh film I would absolutely be on board. Yeah, I would too. 
So I think that's a good spot to uh, kind of wrap things up because uh, we've still got a little bit more uh, of the show to give you because we have a new battle. So we're going to take a quick break. And, and we're we... going to get the battle theme ready. It's already ready. <laughs> I, just, I just have to hit the button. Let's see if this works. But we're ready to go. And, yeah, so we'll be right back. And, uh, yeah, stay where you are. back so we hope you enjoyed that discussion about uh sharknado and hopefully you learned some stuff that you didn't know about uh the shark exploitation genre to begin with including what shark exploitation actually is uh, i will provide links for uh both susan and christine's books in the uh, show notes so make sure you check that out um but yes we uh as we said uh right before we uh we went to break. We have a new battle. And so, what are we going to do? We have to play the battle theme. It's not for a So, our battle this week, it's not really a battle so much as it's a voting. It's a battle of opinion. Yes. Uh, oh, that could have been a uh, theme for the Republican primary. Uh, and basically this week is, who would you most want to accompany you on a shark hunting expedition? Now, you have to track... And either capture or destroy a vengeful shark. Now, normally I am not for this. I am not for putting down any sharks. We are, we are talking about this in hypothetical terms. We're talking about this in when we give you the... Make-believe. Right. We're talking about like supernatural sharks or, you know, sharks that are... Imagination. Sharks that are, you know, movie monsters, not real life. So... The options you have would be Quint from Jaws, Finn Shepard from the aforementioned Sharknado that we've been talking about, Jonas Taylor from the Meg franchise, and I know there's only two movies, but there are like nine books. Uh, Carter Blake, played by uh, Thomas Jane from Deep Blue Sea. He was their shark wrangler. And finally... Uh, and our list of who would you most want to take with you on a shark hunting exploit uh, expedi expedition uh, Majama from Bad CGI Sharks. So Matthew, Jason, and Mateo. Or Matthew, Jason, and Bernardo. <laughs> um, so that's the uh, that's the the question for this week's battle. So make sure you're on the 
what is it, X now? X gonna give it to you. Maybe we'll do it on Instagram instead or threads. I don't fucking know. We'll at least do it on. It's going to be on the Facebook. It'll be on Facebook at least. the Throwdown Thursday group. So if you are not part of the group, I highly suggest that you join. Follow Throwdown Thursday on Facebook. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram too. Apparently. Occasionally we post stuff. Um, and, and that's really the only two that we have much to do with these days. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I'm on threads, but I don't really do anything. I'm an elder millennial. I like to keep it as simple as possible when it comes to all this stuff. I'm still wishing that MySpace makes a comeback. That's where that's where I'm at. You know, hey, Tom, what are you doing? Yeah. Bring it back. Well, because he sold it to Facebook for almost $600 million. So. Oh, well, good, good, for, good for Tom. Yeah. So. Do you have anything else you want to add? Well, I do want to talk about what we're going to be talking about next week, which which is is the topic that we were supposed to talk about this week, because we are actually going to go see the Meg 2 this weekend. Yes, finally, along with... Along with the last voyage of the Demeter. So who knows? Maybe we'll have a topic of discussion for that in the in the future. I'm, I'm really looking forward to both films. Yeah. I, you know, it's one of those, like, we were trying to find, uh, as, as these movies have been in the theater for quite some time, uh, I know it's only been a few weeks, but as these movies have been in the theater for, you know, an eternity, it's already, uh, the Meg 2 is already popping up as a pre-order on Vudu. Um, I don't know about Demeter, but... I've heard a lot of good things. We were listening to the Boulay Brothers uh, podcast earlier today. Creatures of the night. And they were going to do their movie review on the Last Junior Voyage of Mince the Demeter. So club movie review. But yes, uh, so we kind of paused that, put a pin in that episode so we can actually go see the film. And then we'll, we'll, we'll resume the episode afterwards. But um, no, I'm looking forward to it. it. It's actually been a really good summer for films. Um, I took my sister to see Barbie. And that was fantastic. So actually, can I talk about that for a moment? Yeah, go ahead. Um, so this was really cool. So my sister is deaf. And she has she has brand new hearing aids. And technology is just absolutely wonderful um, in the creation of some of these devices and whatnot for, you know, accessibility purposes. And uh, yeah, so she, she got new hearing aids. And a couple of weeks ago, um, she called me. And I was like, why is my sister calling me? I have not actually the last. So real talk for a moment. The last time I actually got a call from my sister was I forget how long ago. And it was because my mom had had a stroke and she was trying to get a hold of me and she wanted it to be, you know, this is serious. She didn't want to just text me. So she called me and um, she obviously couldn't hear on the other end. She was just like, hey, this is what's going on. Text me, um, you know, and and up to this point if i wanted to have a conversation with her she does have one of those phones that uh, it's a forget the exact name for it but it's one of those caption phones so she can talk on her end and somebody can talk on their end and there's a middle person who types in the captions so she can read them like a court stenographer it's a kind of yeah so there's a but there's a slight delay in conversation there's also the fact that somebody is listening into your conversation uh, which can make it a little uncomfortable at times especially when you're talking about 
you know, certain topics. So I hadn't had a actual conversation with my sister via the phone for a, a long time. And she called me and the first words out of her mouth were, this is not an emergency. Everyone's okay. I just want to talk. And I was like, okay, what do you want to talk about? And she was telling me that her new hearing aids are actually Bluetooth compatible. So she can talk on the phone and it goes through the her her hearing aids and she can hear so we had like an over an hour long conversation um which was just absolutely fantastic we were laughing and it was it was just awesome um so with her she doesn't get to the the theater often because you know it's just it just is what it is it's it's you know uh, but she really wanted to see barbie and she really wanted to see barbie in the theater and I was like you know what? I'm gonna take you I'm gonna take you and and life worked out where I was able to take her and not only was she able to pick up most of it you know with uh, her new hearing aids which are more sensitive like than her previous ones, so she can actually hear a little bit but they have these fascinating devices in the theaters there are captioning devices there are these boxes that um it's like a box almost like a a view master without the eyepiece that's kind of what it reminded me of uh and it hooks into your um cup holder uh, in your seat at the theater and what it does is it picks up so when they play a movie uh, it sends out a signal to these boxes, and if you are in the theater that you know is playing said movie, the box will pick up the signal, and you will have captioning, and it's uh, adjustable, so you can kind of maneuver it so that it's perfect in your line of vision, but you can still see the film and everything. So between the captioning device and her hearing aids, she was actually able to pick up. I so I'd already seen it obviously and there were certain things i'm like i really hope that she gets this part i really hope that she picks up on this part and she picked up on every single thing and then some that i was really hoping that she would she would get and she was laughing and we were mowing down on popcorn and it was just such a delightful experience like i was sitting there i was so happy i could have cried because i was seeing you know a a, a movie in the theater with my sister and I hadn't done that since I can't remember what the it might have been one of the Twilight films or it might have even been Hairspray when Hairspray came out you know John Travolta in drag um yeah so it's been a it's been a while but it was awesome and uh side note Upon second viewing, Barbie the movie still holds up. I want to see it a third time in the theater. We'll get like the steel book once it's released. <laughs> well, apparently it's going to be coming to Max, the artist formerly known as HBO Max, um, this fall at some point. So well, it, it also has been uh, extended. It was re-released somewhere else with post-credits footage. Um, so that is actually, it's getting an IMAX release. That's what it was. I, in, uh, I just, late I couldn't September, remember what the article was. So I believe was. it's for a week. And I want to say it's the week of September 22nd. But don't quote me on that. I have to look it up. But I want to say it's that week. It's going to have a run in IMAX theaters. And 
as like a special bonus it's going to have post credit stuff what i i don't know i don't know if it's like behind the scenes footage or or what have you but uh they will have some post credit stuff because as of right now bar although fabulous credits because they kind of show you some of the barbies through the years which i absolutely love um no post credit scenes so they're adding that as a little added added bonus for people to go see it and have the imax experience so you know that wouldn't suck just no. throwing it out there uh it depends on what i'm doing that week yeah. so so we shall see but anyways yes. um yeah so that's that's just something i wanted to share i love the fact that uh there are certain accessible devices out there making the world a little bit better for all involved and the fact that i was able to share that cinematic experience with my sister who uh, you know I, I haven't been able to have that experience in a long time and she loved it so yeah and i think that's you know that's amazing and i know how happy you were when you came home and you were telling me about it so i think that's it's excellent and it's going to open up more opportunities for her to actually get out and, you know, do stuff. So that's always awesome, especially with, you know, the combination of the two different devices between the, like the one that the theater has and the one that she has, you know, her new hearing aids, you know, it opens up a whole new realm of cinema for her. Now we just have to get her out of the, to go see good movies that aren't Hallmark Again, going back to the meat of our discussion, people can like what they like. No, no, they can like what they like. Fine. Right, but I'm saying, you know, broaden your horizons. Don't stick with one thing because you never know what you're going to like until you try watching it. But I told her now that this is uh, an option for us, you know, now that I know that she can go to the theater and, and enjoy it and, you know, be able to pick up on, on everything uh, and not feel excluded in any way. You know, I told her I, I would take her to more movies. She wants to go to something. Absolutely, I'd take her. Yeah. So that's, you know, again, that's opening up a whole new thing and that'll give her more options to go out and see stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's a, a pretty good spot to kind of wind things down. And uh, we'll be back next week, uh, provided there are no, you know, life-altering... No, 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 we're not, we're not even going to put that out in the universe. Yes. We're not going to put that kind of energy out there. We will be back next week. We will be talking more shark stuff. And be sure we, to follow oh, us on the social gonna, medias. So I we was going to try do, and... Do, 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 do what? Do the... You're like, we will be next, back next week. We will be talking, and we will... See, oh, and we will see you next Thursday. I was going to try to... Oh, you're trying to... Yeah, we should probably stop yeah. talking now. So, yeah, so we, we will, will be back next week. We will be talking more shark stuff. And, and we, we will, will see you next Thursday. Thursday. You got it right this time. <laughs>